0: cool Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show Have you tried finding tickets for any live
1: event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code Pod to save
0: The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 76. Amy Meyer stops by the show, and we talk about choosing the right genre for you. I think you're going to enjoy this, but first, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton, episode number 76 coming at you. And I am so glad that you're here. However, you found us uh, on the train, on the plane, doing the laundry, uh, Maybe go, going to school. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things you could be doing right now. It could be morning, it could be evening, it could be afternoon, it could be the night shift. I don't know how you found us, but I'm so glad that you're here. The podcast helping you write fast, often, and well, helping motivated writers get unstuck, and all kinds of good stuff. And today we have another great episode. Amy Meyer stops by the show, and you're going to love Amy. In her story, she is a very, very successful romance author, and even if you don't write romance or don't read romance, stay tuned because you're going to like all the things that she has to say and the things we're going to learn from her, and one of those things that you're going to hear very specifically is how to choose the right genre and really finding your sweet spot as a writer, and I think this is a, a issue that many writers face, figuring out, you know, what what genre do I write in? And w- what's cool about Amy's story is that she was writing in a different genre and then really found her sweet spot in another genre and writing some YA and, and romance and, and getting very specific about the kind of romance she wanted, wanted to write. And I think that's very important is to think not just generally, like I want to write in sci-fi or romance or... You know, Christian fiction or Christian nonfiction or just nonfiction, but but getting really specific. You know, what, what kind of nonfiction do I write, want to write? What kind of fiction? Is there a certain even niche or subgenre that I want to write in? So you're going to really enjoy Amy, and she is writing some great books and having a lot of success. That you're going to hear. It's going to be a little bit overwhelming. She's done it in a very short period of time. Now, I know that can feel overwhelming. Thinking, you know, I only have one book out there or two books or. You know, I'm just getting started. Wherever you are, but but Amy's going to give you a lot of encouragement wherever you are on the journey. And I think this is going to be a great episode. And I hope you enjoy it a ton. And a couple things before we get into the interview is if you would like to support project entertainment network we are part of a family of podcasts there's about 25 different podcasts uh if you could head over to patreon.com slash project entertainment network i'll put this in the show notes um you can support uh the podcast and this helps get this show and all the other shows out into the world and there's some cool prizes and cool ways to support art and podcasts and all kinds of stuff so go check out patreon.com and uh i will uh put that in the show notes and you can donate, I think even as little as a dollar and you'll get some cool stuff. A lot of our, our hosts, they, they sign cards. They'll send you stories, all kinds of stuff, depending on, on how much you support the show. So that would just be a great way to support this network. There's a lot of great shows, a lot of good things going on. And I just want to encourage you with that. And then also just want to thank you again for all the, the nice comments and ratings and reviews. Those are very kind and generous of you. And it's, it's really a, a huge blessing to be able to do this show and continue to, uh, bring on some of the most prolific writers in the world, and share their wisdom and knowledge, and uh, and share the little bit that I know as well. And uh, so, thank you for that. And so, without further ado, let's get to Amy Meyer. Mm-hmm. Welcome, everyone, to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is Ryan J. Pelton, your host, and today I'm so excited to have Amy Meyer on the show and look forward to chatting with Amy. So why don't you say hello to our Prolific Writer community and tell us a little about yourself.
1: All right. Well, hello. Um, My name is Amy Meyer. I write under the pen name Anne-Marie Meyer. And I am really not that interesting, I don't think. <laughs> I just started writing and publishing last September in um, two-market sweet romance is what I write. And ever since then, I've just slowly been increasing in volume of books and income. Um, I will, I'm will. i on schedule to hit a six-figure author in my first year, which is pretty exciting. And um, yeah, I write in adult and YA contemporary romance is pretty much my focus right now. So that's pretty much about me.
0: Well, thanks, Amy. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot to to unpack. We're going to talk about that. I mean, if you just <laughs> started, people are probably like, just fell out of their chairs. And uh, <laughs> and so part of the reason I, I contacted you was I we were in the same writer group and saw that you're having some good success. And I always love finding authors and um, and one of the, the reasons I love having people like yourself is that, um, not to offend you, but you're, you know, you're not a household name and, uh, you're not Stephen King. You're not, you know, James Patterson <laughs> or whoever. Um, but you are making a living and doing well writing your books. And, and that's kind of the, the inspiration and encouragement we want to offer authors as well is that, you know, you don't have to be a household name and you can do well and, um, and get a lot of work out there and people love reading your stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, okay. so. You said September is when you, you started getting serious about writing and publishing, but let's let's go back further. So tell us a little bit about kind of growing up, family life. You know, when did you get the writer b- bug? Why are you doing this now? Tell us a little about that.
1: Um, well, I, like a lot of writers, started writing when I was a teenager. So finding books and trying to, you know, m- write the most complicated thing you can think of. That was what I was writing. I've got a lot of started books that I wrote when I was a lot younger. Um, and then I got married. I have five kids. So they're all under the age of 11. So I'm a pretty busy mom. I have been busy since I was 20 when I had my first kid. And um, I wrote a goal sheet when I was younger that said I wanted to write and publish a novel. And so about six years ago, I decided, hey, I'm going to do this goal. I'm going to cross it off. And so I started writing. Um, took me about, f- like, like like I said, I published So I started that six years ago, and I started publishing seriously in September. But before that, I had started a manuscript, and I wrote for about four years, writing and rewriting and rewriting that one manuscript. And of course, like I said, most complicated, it was a time traveler and sci-fi and futuristic dystopian type of book. Like just, you know, you're like, I'm going to put all of these ways I wish the book had ended, and I'm going to write my own book, and I'm going to end it the right way. And that's kind of where I was going with it. But it was kind of my schooling, I think, into learning how to write, how to describe things, how to um, uh, just figure out how a story works, characters, how do you play off characters, all those sorts of things. And so um, I did that. And then I wrote a YA fantasy that didn't do as well. Um, It was a Cinderella retelling with fantasy elements told in a contemporary time. And I think um, because when you write more complicated books like that, it's harder to market and it's harder to describe your book. Um, just by the cover and the title, which as indies I think are so important because we don't have the backing of traditional publishers behind us to actually sit down and say, here's this book and this is why you would love it. You don't get to tell that to your you know potential readers on Amazon. So that's when I started really studying the market and how to... Um, write a book to market, how to show tropes, how to do a right cover, all of those things were so important um, as indies to do. I got in contact with a New York Times bestseller, Victorine Leeski, and she was very much a supporter of me um, doing indie. She loved my first YA fantasy book, um, and she said, if you ever want to self-publish, then contact me and I'll help you. And then we kind of just formed a group, and they were going to write billionaire romances, um, sweet billionaire romances. And I was like, hey, can I write with you? I want to join you. And they were like, sure. And that's when I published that first billionaire book was in September. And um, since then, I've been writing and releasing about every month. And that's really helped me stay visible in the readers' um, minds. And I have have a newsletter subscriber email me and she said, you know, I always get so sad when you're going to end a series, but you've always got something new just around the corner. So I like to think that I always just keep my my readers fed on a constant basis. So that's pretty much my writing history. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's great. And I love your, your story. I mean, your story is so common in the, in the sense of, you know, got that one book, you work on it for years and years, you kind of poke at it, you know, we're not sure what it is. You're trying to get everything out in your head and heart onto the page. Uh And, you know, most likely it's not very good. Um, but so tell us a little bit about so you started in you know fantasy sci fi then you kind of shifted to romance and kind of found your found your sweet spot there um, is, is that tell us a little bit about I mean books growing up I mean were you more you know fantasy sci fi or romance or all the above kind of how did you make that that shift and find kind of comfort in writing more romance YA stuff
1: well all my books have a. Like, um, I would like to say they're romance, but now that I know the romance genre, you really, if you're going to write romance, it's strict romance, it's all romance. There's not a lot of other elements because then what you start to do is you add in fantasy mixed with sci-fi and then it's with a romance subplot. So it's kind of taking that mind shift, but I always wanted to write the romantic story of two people in a dystopian world or two people in a fantasy world and that romance in there. But with my YA books, there's a lot of other subplots They have magical powers. And so that it it takes you away from that romance because then it's easier to separate them. I've, when I was growing up as a reader, I was always just what's, popular, you know, I was always one of those people who was like, oh, you know, read this book because they're going to put it into a movie. I haven't, I was never really good at finding books on my own to read, you know, like you can nowadays. And I think it's just because it's harder back then because we had to go to the library and what, what did the library have nowadays? It's open your Kindle and Amazon will tell you, oh, you like these books, you'll love these books. And as a personal person, I don't like to read spicy romances, and um, it's much harder to find spicy romance or uh, sweet romance books. Um, Amazon has started a category called clean and wholesome, which is where my books go into. Like the heat level of my book is a kiss. That's as far as they go. You sweet romance, it can go all the way up to kind of PG thirteen where it starts and then they shut the door and then it's over. But there's no actual sex scenes in it like it would be in a spicy book. So I stopped really reading in my 20s because I didn't know how to find romance that didn't have all these other things that I just didn't want to read. And you would go and you'd pick a book off Amazon and you would start reading it and then you'd be like, and I'm going to close that because it doesn't. And that's been the plight of a lot of people that I know who are like, well, I don't know how to find clean romance clean romances. And clean doesn't necessarily just mean no sex. It means also no swearing or very little swearing and, um, no like grotesque scenes. You know, it's very like mild PG 13 type things is what was where we're going for. So then I decided, okay, I want to start writing what I want to read. And that's kind of where I started. And then I love romance. So I will read a book just for the rom- the romantic subplot in it. So that's kind of where it came from.
0: That's great. I think what you're, you're describing is, you know, a little bit kind of to back up a little bit, you're talking about, you know, certain, writing to market and tropes and things. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. Cause I, I hear that as you share your story. Um, so writing to market romance, uh, tropes, how, what would you say is writing to market? And then what would you say are some things, elements that you have to have in your books specifically for romance to make it? Attractive to make people want to read it, you know, j- describe that for people listening because I know we have a lot of like aspiring writers or people have no idea what, what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, talk about that. What, what makes a romance trope? What makes, you know, writing a market specifically? What does that look like?
1: So a lot of people consider tropes a cliche, like, oh, I don't want to write that because everybody else writes it. But what they don't understand is a trope is it actually way a reader can identify with your book. So if you were to tell me if I was to say, hey, Ryan, tell me what was the last movie you just saw, you would say it's a story about X, Y, or Z. And basically what you're doing is using a trope to describe the, the movie it's, um, enemies to lovers. That's a trope. Um, so they're, they fight in the beginning and they end up falling in love, a fake marriage. That's a trope where they get married out of convenience and then end up falling in love. um, best friend to lovers that's another trope i mean billionaires a trope cowboys a trope all of these elements of the story are easy ways for you to to get across to your reader this is what's in the book and this is why you'll love it because as readers we like to identify things together even in movies as consumers of entertainment we say, oh, I remember watching a movie just like I—I I loved Harry Potter. I loved Wizards. So any book or movie or book that's going to come out that has a wizard in it, I know I'm going to love it because I loved the the previous ones that I did. So we love to identify and connect things together. So what I do is I showcase the tropes in my book, and what I actually do, you because you could write a book, have someone read it, and you say, tell me what the tropes are in my book, and then I'm going to showcase those on my cover. I'm going to showcase it in my title. Because you really only have four to five seconds to hook somebody and get them to buy before they're moving on. So if you have a complex cover, a weird title, and a really long jumbled blurb, people are going to just click on because they're going to think, I have no idea what this book is about and I'm not interested in it. I'm going to go to this author who understands like how to market to me instantly right away. So what I do is I pick a trope that I really like and then I create a series around it. So first one was my billionaires because the steamy Mark has actually set the bar for billionaires pretty high. You know, if you think about Fifty Shades of Grey. And once the, she wrote that book – a lot of authors move to writing similar books to that, but billionaire is a hot trope. It's always been a hot one, and it will probably always be the fantasy of having a relationship with a guy who has a you know billion dollars. You know, it's it's what every woman's fantasy is. And so I said, okay, I'm going to write a series all in billionaires, but I'm going to showcase different d- tropes within those stories. So when I go to set up a book. I will look at a trope list and say, okay, my main one is billionaire and where are we going to go from there? So you could do, I'm going to do a second chance romance. So these characters have known each other in the past, had a relationship, and then they're going to try it again. She's a jilted bride. So she was in a relationship and now is brokenhearted. That's a, that's a thing that's going to keep them apart. And I just work my way down the list and how many tropes can I feed into this story? And it seems very confining, but really what it does is create the conflict in your book. So now I know going in that my main character, my main male character is going to be very reserved because he's gone through this in the past as the same as my female main character. So then what I do is I, my books come to life by the characters and what they say and the setting. And then you, you become creative around that, but it's kind of like a, a shortened condensed outline. Um, and then I showcase the major ones in my book, um, and my book cover. So for my married books, all of my books have a bride on them. And then it's called marrying a cowboy. So cowboy is a trope. The next one's marrying an athlete, anything that has to do with sports. That's another trope. And so I just go through. So if somebody looks at my book And with the use of my title and my series title, so my series title is A Fake Marriage Romance, you know right away exactly what you're going to read and and exactly what you're going to get. And that to me, I spend very little money on marketing because I showcase my Amazon page works for me. It's my best advertising. So if I, anything over that any Facebook ads or AMS ads I do. I'm just showing new people my book and I get a lot of really good return on my investment because I'm not there saying, you need to like my book because it has this in it. My book's already doing that for me. Did that answer your
0: question? (laughs) Yeah, no, very well. No, I I think what you're you're describing is, you know, tropes, I think, are, you know, some would say, oh, they're cliches, but actually, they're really just common story elements. I mean, every story has common tropes. I mean, they have to have them. I mean, it's part of that, you know somebody wants something they can't get it so what is that thing I mean if it's a romance it's she can't get the guy right and she fails and fails and fails or you know it could be Mm -hmm. the guy doesn't get the girl whatever it is that's why every romance romantic comedy movie is the same Uh, and it's Mm -hmm. essentially the same story right Um, yeah and then what I know about romance and I don't know a lot but you can correct me if I'm wrong but you know in the end like they do need to end up together like that's yes that that's a, a given if you don't have that I apparently you will get You know, found and tortured and beaten and so Nicholas
1: Sparks surprisingly (laughs) does not write romance. He Mm -hmm. writes tragedy a lot of times because if you think about, they die or they don't Mm -hmm. end up together in the end. A romance has to be um, about the love story between these two people. And it can only be about the two people. It's really easy to get subplots to take over your plot. But if it's a true, pure romance, it is 100% the story of them two falling in love. And so it can get very difficult. People think, oh, well, romance is really easy to write. When in fact it's not because your conflict is all internal, very less external, um, And it's a lot about their, I can't love them, I love them, I can't love them. Which So it can get hard to not be annoying when you're writing that because some people can be like, well, if your conflict can be solved by just a conversation, then it's not good enough conflict. That wall between the two of them is not high enough because then the entire time your readers are going to be like, if they just talked, then they would be fine. (laughs) So you have to be very careful that you create enough conflict That in the end, when they say at the black moment, I'm going to walk away from this person, then your reader is like, I can see that why they would walk away. So romance is all just about the story between the two people. And then, of course, at the end, they come together and then they have a happily ever after.
0: Which, which I think is, is, is fascinating because like you said, it, it everyone knows they're going to end up in the end. But if that's, if everyone knows that, why do they still buy them? Why do they still read them? Right. Right. Cause it's about <laughs> the characters. It's about the, the setting. It's about the conflict. It's about, you know, the personality and the quirks and everything else involved. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we read stories. And yet there's really no new stories under the sun. I mean, they're, they're all yeah. similar elements. And so it's, it's really just a different setting, a different time, a different, you know, character. Um, right. and, and it's your voice. I mean, it's obviously Amy Meyer's voice is very unique. And yeah you know you're telling the story in your way and and with your perspective and and that's why people buy books i mean I, mm-hmm. so anyone anyone listening that feels like you know well it's all been written, it's all been done you know what am i going to do it's it's really you're putting your own spin on it you're putting your own characters, your own you know angle your own voice and that's that's what's important um so yeah thanks for for sharing that and I think you're also describing you know a lot of just good marketing uh for those listening to is, is just being very clear about what the book is, what the message is. Uh You know, you, you, the reader knows what they're going to get. I mean, I, I looked on your Amazon page too, and yeah, it's very clear. Like this is the kind of books that I write and this is what you are mm-hmm. going to get every time. And like you said, you don't have to spend a ton of mar- marketing money because it's, it's very clear. And here's the next step. And here's, you know, here's what you're going to get. And, and I love that. So that's, that's really helpful. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, so let's talk a little bit. One of the things that uh, I love about our show and wh- why I started the podcast a couple of years ago was, you know, it's called The Prolific Writer. And r- really my belief, and as I've interviewed, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people is that, you know, being an indie author, especially, and even, you know, even non-indie authors are realizing you have to be prolific. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to, you, you don't have to create every month like you, but but you do have to have, you know, two, three, four, five, six books, you know, a year if you want to kind of like, like you said, stay in front of readers. Um, so one of the questions I get a lot is... How do you keep up the quality if you're cranking out so much quantity? And I think mm-hmm. there's a there's some myths around that like you can't have have both. So talk a little bit about that just as you were kind of beginning I mean I think you said 12 books in the last, you know, year and a half or so. Um how do you keep up the the quality because obviously people are still reading your books. You got great reviews like it's not like oh this is junk. It's no this is great. Um so talk a little bit about that like like how have you gotten better as a storyteller? How do you keep the quality up even as you're you're kind of writing at a fast clip?
1: Um, I agree. I think that can happen a lot too with, if you are forcing yourself to write things, I think your quality can go down, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm, and I'm talking some writers that write like three books and they release them in a month. And I personally haven't read them, but I've talked to other people who have, and it can start to diminish, especially when you're writing in romance, because you're writing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I have to make sure I'm very excited about the story um, and that helps keep me wanting to write it. I also change up tropes. Like I said, I love having the pathway to know what I'm going to write and then trying to like keep in mind like story elements that I can add into it. I go, I watch movies. Like I have a hard time reading right now because I, when I'm reading, I'm like, I should be writing. (laughs) Like I have a hard time separating those two together. So a lot of times I go to movies because I love fast, how fast paced movies are. And then the inspiration that I can get from them. A lot of times I'll be sitting there. i will be like, Oh my gosh, I should put that in a book. And then I write it, you know, write it down. Um, and then I um did the, the very strange, not strange thing, but kind of a risky maneuver where I went from writing just adult to writing YA. Um they're both contemporary romance but it's just told in a different age group and I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I loved writing. I love writing YA. I love writing in the first person and I love being able to get into the head of my characters and just really show their personality. When I write adult, it's uh, dual perspective and third person. So I write one chapter in the female, one chapter in the male and with by YA I wrote in first person and it's all told just through the female characters um, perspective. And I really enjoy having that change for me. Um, And it was really well received with my audience. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I know a lot of women who will read clean um, adult romances will read YA because That was what they were doing for a long time because they weren't sure, okay, what's a clean book and what's not. So if I read YA, I know it's going to be clean. Mm -hmm. Now, not so much. There's a lot of traditional published books that like to push social issues, I think, and will really stretch the spectrum of what that you can put in a YA. So it's a little bit harder, but for a long time, that's what they read was YA. So I did a poll of my readers in my newsletter and, they, and I found out I have anywhere from 11-year-olds reading my books to 90-year-olds. Okay. So I have a very wide gamut of people. And I think with sweet romance, you can catch a lot more people because people will go from steamy to sweet, but not from sweet to steamy. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was... It's just trying to be excited about what I'm writing and switching it up so I'm not constantly writing the same thing. And I'm really every book I'm telling, I'm telling a completely different story because I'm working the tropes differently for myself. And that that helps keep my creativity up and going and my quality as well. Plus I have critique groups I work with every week and a lot of them if I'm stuck they'll give me suggestions. I mean really just having, I think in my post that I did that you must have seen, I talked about my team that I have behind me and that just being successful is not just me. Because then writers we think oh, I'll just hide behind my screen, write my books and put them out. But really if you get a good beta reading group, you get a good critique group, they'll let you know when things aren't working and you have to be humble enough to be like you're right, this isn't working, how can I change it to make it better? And as authors we're more than willing to be like well i didn't like this part i i was expecting it to go in this direction you don't necessarily have to take what they say but you can use that as like okay now how can i turn it and spin it that i make it desirable for people to want to read
0: well, and I think you're making a good point is, is, you know, people talk about self publishing, it's just, you know, the one person, you know, launching out books out into the air. But the reality mm-hmm. is no one's really a self publisher. I mean, there's yeah. critique groups, there's editors, there's cover designers, there's formatters, there's, you know, friends, family, everybody's I mean, there's a team, right? And and I think that's the, we're not really doing this in a silo. And we are getting, you know, mm-hmm. pers- we are getting feedback. And we are you know, working with other people and editors and all the, those kinds of things. And so, so, you know, I think that's the, the, the stigma of of self-publishing is going away because it is higher quality, and I think people are realizing it's not just. I mean, I had a some one of my books. You know, as a f- former New York, um, New York editor, you know, doing doing my book, and so it's like they're just those jobs aren't there anymore. So they're looking right. for the work too. And there's so many authors that, you know, could, could, uh, you know, use their services and things. But mm-hmm. um, I also liked what you said, you know, that I think the lines of genres are kind of blurring beginning to blur. So it's funny. Like I wrote a couple middle grade books and you know, how many adults read the books? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Hey, we really liked it. And it was like, wait, there's like for eight to 12 year olds, not, adults and yet, you know, YA stuff. I mean, so many adults read that and, you know, in some ways it is a good challenge. I mean, I think to market, like, how, how do we market to people that maybe don't buy books because they're too young, like middle grade or YA or whatever, but we really are marketing to their, their parents or to the, the adults or whoever. Um, but that's great. Great to hear. I think that's a good lesson for those that are, you know, writing or starting to write is if you write in a particular genre, sometimes there are little spawns out of that genre that still fit, you know, whether it's, Mm -hmm. it's romance, but then it's YA or it's a little bit different, but not totally different. Um, you know, my books, a lot of them have kind of crime mystery elements, but, but they, they don't all fit nice and neat. Um, but you know, you can kind of expect those things. That's great. Um, so let's, let's dig in a little bit further into kind of your process because, uh, you know, you, you went from, you know, kind of trying to write this book for four years, you know, nothing really coming out of it to cranking out a book a month. So when did you, you, you begin to realize like this was possible or was it getting that first one done or kind of what's been your process to kind of keep that, 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 uh, high clip of production? Uh, what does that look like for you?
1: Well, honestly, I will um, tell you that and under a different pen name, I actually have two middle grade books out. They don't do very well for me at all because it's hard to market. And I will say, I honestly believe that middle grade is just going to start picking up in terms of eBooks because our generation is give your book, a, uh, give your kid a book. Generations of people who are just graduating high school is going to be give your kid a Kindle. Mm-hmm. So I really think middle grade is really going to start taking off. And I wrote a middle grade for my kids. I wanted to write one about boys. I have four boys and then a little girl. And I noticed there weren't a lot of books about boys out there. And Mm -hmm. so I started writing one because I was terrified on how the heck do you edit a 50,000 word book? Because I was like, how am I going to remember what I wrote in the first couple of chapters by the (laughs) time I'm 40,000 words into it? I don't know. And that idea daunted me. So I actually wrote a middle grade book. Where it was about 25,000 words. And I wanted to go through the entire process of writing it, editing it, beta reading it, and then publishing it. And so that's what I did. It's for my kids. I love the books. They're super cute. Um, but it gave me a segue into this publishing world on how do you figure out, how do you find a cover designer? How do you figure out your title? How do you set up a page? And it wasn't something that was so time consuming because I think a lot of people will start out and they'll write a 150,000 word manuscript, And then the idea of, of editing something like that is just Astronomical. And how do you, and then they finally edit it and they have no idea how to, you know, market it. So for me, it was starting on the smaller spectrum, getting that under my belt. And then I felt confident enough to say, okay, I can actually take on an actual book and, uh, well, an actual way longer book and be confident that the storyline's going to smoothly go from one point to the other point. Um, and then I released my YA fantasy books. Those were 75,000 words. But I had that confidence from having released my middle grade books to know, okay, I can do this. And then um, for me, the motivation came from when I released my first book and I saw, here I am, an unknown author, completely, no one knows because I started, I have two different pen names. So I started Name Anne Marie, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna want it, I want just to focus on clean, um, sweet romance. And that's what this name is going to write under. And um when I released that first um billionaire book, it was like I think I made two or three thousand dollars the first month it was out. And that's when I was like, wow, okay, it I can do this, I can write this. And I wasn't as fast as I am now in the beginning, but um, forcing yourself to sit down, realizing, because a lot of times when we sit down, our head gets in the way, you know, we're like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. No one's ever going to want to read this. This is awful. But a lot of times it's writing those awful words that you pick the good ones out. And honestly, I'm always like, I think that, and I'm like, just keep writing, get to the end, go to bed, wake up in the morning, read what you read. And most of the time I don't hate what I wrote as much as I did the day before, or I'll be like, like editing and I'll get to a point and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I wrote that? That's good. Like I can't believe I wrote that came out of, that came out of my head, you know? And so I think pushing past those boundaries that we set for ourselves and continuing just to write I am a writer, I am an author, it is my job, and I need to take it seriously. I tell my husband, okay, because he works from home. We have five kids, but my husband also works from home. And so we switch off and on. I'll be like, you go work for four hours, and then come back, and then I get to go write. And and my husband was always like, well, this is just a hobby, my wife's a hobbyist writer. But when I started bringing money in, and he started seeing how much I could make, then he'll be like, okay, Amy, you need to go write, you need to go write. And then at that moment, I was like, well, no, I need to be in my head space. You know, I need to have thought about writing. But then it became, no, you sit down for these two hours and you write for these two hours because this is the time that you have. And it's just chaotic. So when I sit down to write, it normally takes me about, it's like, you know, it's for the first like 15 minutes you want to die but then your body goes numb and then you don't feel anything anymore and then you can just keep going mm-hmm. and that's kind of how writing is you start mm-hmm. writing yep. and you're like this is miserable because I'm not into the story but then in about 20 minutes you get into a groove and then you can start pumping out scenes and I do about 5,000 words a day most of the time unless I'm not feeling it that I don't really force myself to do it mm-hmm. um, but that's because I write a lot faster so back then I would like, okay, Amy, just sit down and write a thousand words or sit down and write two thousand words. Now when I'm like sit down and write five thousand words, I can do it, but sometimes my day doesn't allow it to happen. Um, but I can do that in about two and a half hours is write five thousand words. But, but it's something that I have practiced and I have pushed myself, you know, joining sprint groups. I'm a very competitive person. So going and saying, Okay, next, you know, I gotta beat this person who's writing, you know, and I I Sometimes I'm trying to just beat my best time. How fast in a 20 minute sprint? How many words can I get in? Can I get 1000? Can I get 100 or 1200? That sort of thing kind of pushes myself to keep going. But if I had told myself when I first started writing, okay, write 5000 words a day, I would have been completely Mm -hmm. like that would have been daunting. But it's pushing those boundaries for yourself.
0: No, it's that's good because I, I I know a lot of writers when they start it feels man I can barely get out five hundred thousand but then as you do it, it it you know and as you get in the story too I think you know when you love the stories you're telling and the characters especially when you write in a series it, it does go a lot faster because um, mm-hmm. you really know those characters and and or you if you really know your story that you're going to tell it, it you can fly um, so so when you were starting your romance uh, kind of shift to romance. Did you have any idea like this is how long the books need to be or this is how long I want them to be? Because you talked about the middle grade, about 25,000 words. But, you know, did you have kind of a set word goal or page count or just say, you know, they kind of feel like they're in this range? I mean, do you still do that as far as how how long they are? Talk talk through us. Talk that through a little bit.
1: Okay, so um, when I got with Victorine, she um, she had done a lot of experience. She had a lot of books out, so she had a lot of experience with it. And, um, for me, my average word counts about 50,000 words per book. And it's because it's straight romance. I think if you try to push farther than that and get more words, you're actually going to be dragging the story along and almost sometimes to boring the reader. So I set myself about 50,000 words. And sometimes when I feel myself, I'll, I'll be writing and I'll be about 22 or 42, 43,000 words. And I feel the black moment and the resolution coming sooner. I'll be like, okay, I need to go back. Obviously, I went too I skipped over some necessary scenes. So then I'll go back. That's when I'll read through and I'll add a couple scenes in between then. And then I'll go back and finish it at the 50,000 word mark. If you have other subplots going on, you can definitely make it go longer. But for romance, I really wouldn't suggest going more than 50,000 because, like I said, it can just be boring because where they're like, oh, my gosh, just kiss already or just be done with the story. Like stop pushing them together and pulling them apart. It almost can get annoying um, to the reader. So I I go into every book, I'd say about the 50,000 words is where I need to get and then I hit those beats along the way the more you write in a certain and I So I write the same type of book every time. And so 12 books into it, I know exactly what's going to happen. I can feel the beats as I'm writing. I need, at this moment, now they need to be pushed apart. And then I'm going to bring them close together. Now I'm going to take them apart. You know, and so you kind of go that back and forth. And you get a feeling for that in your book. I think a lot of authors, when they start out, they're not really sure where they want to go. So they'll start writing a fantasy. They'll write that book. And then they'll move to a sci-fi. And then they'll move to a romance. And so it's very much... You have to teach yourself how what the book expectation is for each genre, and that can be very difficult. I would just rather stay in the same, make it a little different when it comes to YA, but the beats are all the same. The storyline's still the same. It's just the characters and the setting that I've changed. Mm-hmm. And so for me, becoming a faster writer is because I'm writing in the same genre mm-hmm.
0: sort of thing. Oh, that's great. I would say those that are listening and you can, you know, either say I'm crazy or even if you're not writing romance, here's what I would tell people listening is 50,000 words is like the perfect length for, and I know, you know, the whole national novel writing month and all that, but it really is like, I think so many books, commercial books are so bloated and there's just a lot of fluff. I, you know, I was reading this book. I won't say the author, but you know, just way too long. I mean, it just went off tangents and it was unnecessary. And, and I think in our day and age, people just don't have time. You know, they're reading on the train. They're, they're listening to audiobooks. I think 50,000 words, you can tell a lot of story in fifty thousand words, but not, you know, overwhelm the reader. Now mm-hmm. I know some people will say, well, fantasy, you got to go bigger and you, you can, and that's fine. But I think most genres, 50,000 words is a great place to start. And I think like, like you just described, it's, it's very doable. I mean, you can be very productive at that length. It's not a hundred thousand. It's not, you know, too short. It's not too long because you start talking about 75, a hundred thousand words. That's a lot, lot of work and a lot of hours where mm-hmm. you could be writing two or three more books, you know? And I think that's, that's part of it too. And, um, and you know, I don't, I mean, have you had any complaints about the length or, you know, I wish it was longer or, I mean, most people aren't going to complain, you know, that it's, you know, too short or too long. Um, no, thank you for, for sharing that. And, and so, so you, it sounds like you use an outline, um, you know, you kind of have your word, word count sweet spot. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've obviously had some success with marketing and, you know, you've, you've shared a little bit on your, your Facebook page and some other, other places, uh, just what's been working for marketing. And so talk a little bit about that. Like, what do you think just has been the key to success as far as marketing goes and just kind of getting your, your books out and in front of eyeballs, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say my first, my biggest um, advocate or my tool is newsletter swaps. Um, that is really helpful getting your also bots in the cleanest that it can be. Um, I, I, I hate to say that because I did move to YA and I knew it was going to mess up my also bots because I knew a lot of people who would follow me and I should put this as a caveat. I didn't move to YA until I had two series in an adult book until I was an established name, so to speak in the sweet romance, um, adult genre. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to move to YA, and um, I have a feeling a lot of my readers are going to follow me, so that's going to mess up my also bots. But I was okay with that because I want to be known as a dual author in either genre or either category. Not really different genre because genre is more like fantasy, sci-fi, that stuff. It's the same contemporary romance, just in a different um, category. And so I knew that was going to mess it up. But since then, it has now cleaned itself out um, because I think I got high enough that – Um, I got visible to other people and other people who like YA started picking up, but I did swap with newsletter people. So creating a community of saying, I will share with your book. You share my book. Let's keep all of these readers fed because a rising or like a rising tide raises all ships. So if, if you can convert one person to become a reader, they're going to find people to read your book while they're waiting for you to put yours out. And so really the world needs more readers. I mean, I think the popular amount percent of a population reading is actually quite small. And if we can convert more and more readers, we're going to help everybody in terms of helping yourself. Sorry, that was a tangent. Okay. <laughs> but, um, So that was my biggest one. And I, I am not a a shy person, so I will go and find indie authors who are succeeding and doing amazingly well in my genre. And I contacted them. I found their email addresses and I said, Hey, I'm small, but I write in your same genre. Do you have any room in your newsletter? Do you like to swap? I've had some people who say, yeah, my newsletter is really only for me, but I can share on Facebook or I've had people who say, yeah, sure. No problem. And now I make sure that anytime they email me, I put them in my newsletter, no matter my newsletter, small. But I put them in there no matter what, wherever they want, because I know when I want to release, they're going to be my biggest toolkit in pushing me up into the ranks and doing. And we also talk about this on the Writing Gals, which is the podcast we have, is a slow build. You don't want to have a spike the first day. You want to have about a week out of your book. That's when you want your highest day. So I set my newsletter swaps up so that the biggest one goes out that, you know, seven or eight days into releasing, because Amazon wants to learn. To market your book, because the whole goal we all have is to get into Amazon's algorithms and have Amazon do the work for us. So we're not spending the money on marketing. So that's my biggest tool. And then I would say after that, I Facebook ads are a love and hate relationship, obviously, because <laughs> they can either be really good for you and not spend, and spend your money, or they can be really bad for you and spend your money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of perfected the Facebook ad in a way. Um, sweet romance is hard because there's no really traditionally published authors on Facebook to target. You can't say target their audience or target audiences that look like theirs because there's really none because um, Facebook will not let you target to indies right now so any indies pages don't show up it's only traditionally published and then you're like well i can target to like norris nor Roberts, or i can nicholas sparks but they're not really the genre that i'm or the category type i'm writing in um and then ams ads i think are good to help keep your backlist burning in the background Mm -hmm. so that's That's kind of my marketing tools
0: and so for those listening, uh, n- newsletter swaps are finding basically people that are in your same genre and saying, hey, can you talk about my book on your newsletter, your email newsletter? Um, and that's a really effective way to to market those that are listening, if you're wondering what, what that is. So don't, you know, if you're romance, don't go find the sci fi person and, and yeah. swap, it might be a little confusing. Um, but but yeah, like you said, just being, you know, it, here's what I know about at least writing community, author community. It's not true. I can't make a blanket statement because there's always douchey people out there, but, um, for the most part, they're very generous. And so just by you asking, you know, emailing, I mean, the worst I can say is no, uh, but mm-hmm. I've, I've just found as a, you know, small fish in a big pond is a lot of people are totally willing to, Hey, I'll come on your podcast. Hey, I'll promote your book and, and just saying, or, Hey, I love your work and, you know, I'd love for you to, to share mine as well. Um, It's a very interesting community. I think it's very different than other even artistic communities where they can be a little more, you know, to themselves or, um and especially the indie community. I mean, they're so willing to share, so willing to go, Hey, uh, you know, have you thought about this or, Hey, I'll look at your manuscript or, Hey, you know, have you thought about this or check out this website or you know whatever it is. Um I found that mm-hmm. to be very true. And so it's pretty, pretty exciting times. I think if you are starting out and you're wondering like, where do I begin is find a community that can kind of help you and encourage you. And, you know, mo- everyone starts at the beginning and we don't know what we're doing and, (laughs) where to go and and uh, and how to do this so um so yeah thank you for for sharing that as far as the the marketing uh goes now so a little bit further when you um you know you're writing about a a book a month so what does that look like as far as from start to finish so uh, you know is it a couple weeks you can finish your manuscript kind of send it off to beta send it off to editors like what's kind of the turnaround how do you kind of work that all the way to formatting it cover all that like how do you how do you what's your kind of workflow for that
1: so I kind of fly by the seat of my pants sometimes, and sometimes I set up a pre-order, and then that's what I have to work with, and I better get it done because it's going to go out. Right. Um, so I normally takes me about three to four weeks to finish a book, somewhere in there, depending on how motivated I am by it, how complicated it is, and how excited I am about it Mm -hmm. but the entire time I do that I do meet with two critique groups a week and I am getting about anywhere from a chapter to two chapters critiqued Um, I find if you're going to find a critique group don't write your entire manuscript before you go write the first couple of chapters and kind of give them a basis of maybe where you want to go with it because if your first or two or three chapters aren't good it's going to mess you up for the rest of your book and it's going to be hard you're going to be playing catch up you're going to be trying to fix things it's way better for me at least for me it's better to go and say, "Here's my first chapter," and they're going, Well, where are you going with this? Because I can't see that. And then I'm like, "Oh, where am I going with this?" And then I can say, "Well, well, I'll let me change it. Will this be better?" And are they like, "Yes, that's much better." Then I can be like, "Okay," and then I can start continuing down that path. Because I find, even when I beta read beta read for people, in the first half of the book. Is the most, the hardest for me. And then everything after that, I'm just tying up storylines, I'm tying up plots, and I'm moving it towards the end until the resolution. So if you can get critique partners that can walk you through the first 10 chapters of your book, the rest of it should be pretty smooth sailing. Because I think we all know how to to tie up stories as they get to the end. Um, it's just, how do you introduce the character? How do you make the conflict there? How do you make sure that all of these things are set up so that as we walk into like the murky middle that we all hate writing, um, that we're going to have enough things set up to help kind of guide us in that direction. So I do that mostly about three weeks. I write 5,000 words a day, but some days I don't write any and some days I only get three thousand in. Um, but i do try to keep that kind of clicking along and then i have i send most of the time i send the rest of my book to my my critique partners and my beta read um i am i'm a very fast paced writer. So there's not a lot of like extra stuff. And so I think that's what helps keep my readers moving along. Cause I, I don't like a lot of backstory and I don't like a lot of extra stuff going on. I'm like, I just want to get to the story and walk me through. It's just like, you know, you've all, we've all been in the movies, like transformer movies where we're like, Oh my gosh, it's another f- scene, a fight scene. And then there's another one, you know, and you're like, can we just wrap this up please? And, and I try to keep that in mind when I'm writing. So I keep moving them through. So my beta readers can normally get it back to me two to three days. Um, And so they get that back to me. I make the edits. I send it to my editor. She's really fast. Um, She's a friend of mine that I found. And I said, you know, if you can get it back to me, she normally takes about a week. But I'm like, if you can get back to me faster, I'll pay you. (laughs) You know, I always make that as an incentive to have them going. And then after she gets it back to me, then I'm formatting it. I vellum vellum takes about two seconds to format your book. And then I'm sticking it up on Amazon and letting it go. Do what it's supposed to do. And the nice thing about a slow release is that you don't have to worry about like pushing your book right away. So you just kind of let Amazon build its page. That's when I'm setting up newsletter swaps. That's when I'm doing all this marketing. I'm starting a Facebook ad on it. Then once Amazon builds my page, then I'm going through and saying, okay, I don't want that category. That's wrong. I want, you know, and then I contact Amazon and I let them know. Um, now that I have like more money, I'm also setting up my audiobook. I have an audiobook artist who gets it back to me within like three days. It's insane how fast she reads and it's just quality work. She gets it back to me. I have to listen through it and then I've got that going up, getting my hard copy book. Some of my books don't have hard copy books yet because I just haven't had time to create the covers. Um, But to me, my biggest buddy maker is my eBooks. And so as long as everything looks good there, the other stuff I just add on eventually as I, as I get around to it.
0: No, that's great. I I think... You know, what you're describing, too, is the Amazon part is if you are putting your books on Amazon is that, you know, they love new books. I mean, that's even just constant releases. I mean whether you're a big name or no name, they see that and the algorithm somehow knows that. I don't know some kind of magical algorithm fairy, Mm -hmm. Um, but if they, you know, they know you're going to put out a book every month and it it just kind of puts you in the system and and it it works its magic. And I think that's, that's important. I mean, that consistency. Um, yeah, I would say I was going to ask you about print and things because every genre is different. Um, it's funny. Middle grade actually sells quite a bit of print. So, um, but, uh, you know, those print copies, you know, they're nice. You should have them. It looks good on your page. But, you know, the reality is a lot of it's going to be ebooks. So there's no pressure to, like, I got to get it out at the same time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I know audiobooks probably, I sell probably is ebook and audiobook and then print's third. Um, yeah. Audiobook is big, but you know it does take time, and and mm-hmm. it, it, they, they can take you know they're a lot longer, <laughs> and you know people you read slower and, and all that. But um, but no, that that's great. I think you're just having a good solid product and and kind of letting it do its magic, and then you just slowly kind of market. I mean, there's no like pressure. There's no you know just kind of let it be a slow build, and then you're already you know in a month you're gonna have another book anyway. So <laughs> you know yeah. that's, that's the exciting part, right? Um, that's the
1: thing I tell myself. I go, you know, if this book fails, it's okay because I'm gonna have yeah. another one. I'm I am not defined by this one book. Yep. I'm not defined by this. I am a writer and I'm going to continue to write. And if I didn't get it right in this one, I'll get it right on the next one. Yep. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, Amazon is picky. You know, they're only going to promote their books. They're only going to promote the you know, the ones that they publish. And I'm like, eh, ah, I don't think that's true at all. No. Amazon wants money. And if they see no. you're making money, they're going to promote you because they get a cut of this uh, mm. pie. Sure. And so they, they want to see. So your job as an author is to show Amazon, this is why you want to promote me because people People will buy my products. Mm-hmm. So then you can go and get into that algorithm and say, okay, if Amazon will say, well, this person bought this book and this book and then this other book, but now if they buy this book, then this book, they're going to buy your book. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to tell Amazon because Amazon wants to make money. And yep. if they see people are buying your book, then they're going to promote it for you. Yep.
0: I love just backing up what you said. That was really profound is don't get hung up on your, your book. Um, because I have a friend, Jake Bible, who's been on the show a couple of times. He writes a book a month and, you know, he's had some books that were stinkers and he's like, but I already have another one coming out in three weeks. So you know and and i think we get to i call it the gollum factor it's that precious you know the lord of the rings mm-hmm. it's like oh my precious right and it's like you have to get over it and go hey i did it it's great i love the story i mean my best books are the ones that don't sell i still have favorites <laughs> but but you know the ones that sell it's like i don't know why people buy that one they should buy this one um, <laughs> but but you have to move on and say okay it's the next story it's always pushing yourself and saying there's there's more stories to tell and more books to write and um that, that's just a, such a healthy perspective and uh yeah so thanks when for I think sharing that just-
1: having that mindset when you go to market because i think it can be a lot of people are like well i don't want to change my cover because i had this person model for me and it's like my favorite cover or i love my title don't you love my title and if you it's sometimes hard it's hard to tell people your baby's ugly you know like no this is not a good cover i don't even know what you're you're selling and there's you have to shift almost once you finish your book and you put yourself on that page then you have to distance yourself from that book and you have to say okay how can I package this in a pretty little bow that people will want to pay for it? And sometimes it's listening, especially to people who are more experienced, who say that cover is not going to work or that title doesn't describe what your book is and you're going to confuse your readers. So it's also distancing. And I think being prolific and having lots of books, it's easier that way mm-hmm. because you're just like, uh, you know, all right. Yep, you're right. I have to distance myself because I'm actually in throes of another book. So I really don't even care about this yep. book. I just want to get it out there and make it and have it start making me money.
0: Yeah. And and I think why we're passionate about prolific writing too is that like yourself, you have a big backlist is that your books are evergreen and you're mm-hmm. going to be amazed how many books that you thought didn't do that well when they came out, but then people discover it or they get hot again. I mean, that's a cool thing about books. I mean, we read books that are 50 years old. I mean, there's a reason why, right? And so mm-hmm. people are going to find, we have a big bookshelf. People are going to find more stories and go, "Oh, I don't like this one, but I do like this one, you know, or I don't like this series, but I do like this one. Right. And so that's, that's part of it is just having a bigger bookshelf. And, uh, you know, again, it's not just throwing junk on the wall. We're not doing that, but, um, but, but to have options, like you said, you have YA, you have, you know, sweet romance and all that. And so that you're going to reach different audiences and different groups. So that's, that's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. let me ask you real quick, cause I love, I do love your covers. So, uh, who, who makes your covers or, or where do you get those, those made?
1: My covers are done by Victorine actually. Victorine Leeske, the New York Times bestseller. She also does graphic design and oh, she cool. does their covers. So what we do is she tells us to find a photo, a big stock of sock photo to use, and then we send it to her and she creates them. And um branding is important, I think, as an author. So keeping your, you know, your name correct, or at least in the series, keeping the same type or the same font, the same yeah. colors, all of that is branding that as a series, especially if you're like me and none of my books The only thing that keeps my books together is the trope. They are not that you could they're totally separate books from each other, totally separate characters. You don't see any of the other people inside of them. They're just different from each other. So it's important when you don't have something like that, tying the book, the series together is to have everything on them. And she's very she's she understands all of this. She's very smart lady. I'm grateful I found her and had her kind of mentor me Mm -hmm. through all of this. And I'm like you were saying with Backlist last month, I like probably over half, almost half of the income I made last month was from my backlist. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have a lot. And you think, oh, well, it's only making me $5 a day, Mm -hmm. but $5 a day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm not going to sniff my nose about that one book making me $5 a day. (laughs) So I'm like, I can do that. So having a backlist and the readers discover you and, 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 you know, we'll read through one and ev- there's new readers every day. I keep thinking I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to have reached every single reader yep. there is possible and I'm going to stop selling and it's not. And I think it's because your brain just can't comprehend the massive amount of people there are in the world yep. and how many people are reading and how many people read your book and say, oh my gosh, I just found this new author. You should read her books and how many people they're telling and then they're going to find it and they're going to read it and it's just going to continue moving. And romance is the type of thing that is like, it's like, it's evergreen too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe a 12 year old girl now won't want to read it. But in 10 years, she's going to find me and she's going to read through my whole backlist. So,
0: yeah, I was just telling someone the other day. So if you sell, if you have 10 books and you sell eight books a day uh, per title, and so that's average. So some books will make more, some will make less, but you think about all these channels, even if you have other, you know, you have print, you have your book, you have audio, if you do, if you go wide, whatever. Um, if you, if you do that every day for a year, you'll have $60,000. And so for most people, like that's a good income. And, and again, mm-hmm. we're not talking about, you know, Riches, but for that's a comfortable living for the majority of people in the United States, if you live in the United States, or else anywhere, okay. really. And, uh and it's like, I think we just get get caught up. It's got to be, you know, a 1000 books a day. And, and, you know, but it's not it's and you're probably seeing that too. It's like you have 12 books or more. And, and it's just a little bit here, a little bit there. And it just adds up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. You're giving people a lot of, of hope that this is, you know, possible to make a, a good living and, and, and share your story, I am so. not
1: a genius writer, so <laughs> I'm sure people will read it and be like, wow, she made that much money off these books, <laughs> right. but I tell a good story. And if yeah. I can do it, then anybody can do yeah. it. And like to think that I like last year, like, yeah, people are going to contact me and say, Hey, will you be on my podcast and talk about your writing? I would have told them, like, yeah, right. You're crazy. So like, it is possible. It's very possible. And then once you see what you can do, the sky's the limit. That's what I love about being an entrepreneur and being my own boss. I don't have to depend on somebody else's hours. I don't have to depend on anything else. It's all me, how fast I want to write. If I want to make more money one month, then I write another book. And if I don't and I just am okay with sliding by because my kids need my focus or it's the holidays or we go on vacation, I still wake up in the morning and I've still made money. And I've done nothing. My husband's like, I can't believe you made that much money this morning. You haven't Mm -hmm. done anything. And I'm like, well, I did. But now I'm (laughs) reaping the rewards of what I did.
0: Yeah, there's that uh, there's that famous story about the Beatles. I don't know if you ever heard it, where uh, John and Paul they're writing a song, and John goes, "Hey, or no, as Paul says to John Lennon, you know, what what are you writing?" And he says, "Well, it's called." it's called the pool. And he's like the pool. That sounds like a weird name. He says, well, no, I'm writing a song so I can put in a pool in my backyard. And so, I mean, his, his, just the idea of like, you know, we have to keep making music to get the things we need to get. Or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's on a pool, but it's just, Hey, to pay for kids college or, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's just, it's up to you how much you want to do or how little you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. well, Hey, just as we, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, wind down the interview, uh, I always like to ask a couple, uh, very practical questions as far as any tools that you recommend. It could be books, could be software, could be anything that a writer or publisher could uh, really benefit from.
1: Definitely. Um, I would say, uh, Facebook, not only for advertising, but for, um, community, Mm -hmm. um, Can you imagine back in like 30 years before Facebook even happened? How did writers find each other? How did they communicate? Now you have it on your fingertips. Um, And then I would say books I really enjoyed are Michael Cooper's Help My Facebook Ads Suck Uh and Brian Meeks' um, How to Do Good AMS Ads as well as um, – this is for marketing, but um, – Mark Dawson's course. Um, it's expensive, but I think it's 100% worth it. He will help you keep out your uh, your stupid tax <laughs> mm-hmm. with what you like trying um, ads and things like that. Um, and then if you want a good re- romance, Victorine wrote a book, How to Write Swoon-Worthy Sweet Romance. And so she actually breaks down one of her books, and she talks about why she writes certain things at certain points of the time in the story. Um, so that's a really good one. And then um, for things I use, I use Scrivener um, to help me format or to write my books in. Vellum, you have to have a Mac, and I love it. It saves. I used to try and format my books in Scrivener, and oh my gosh, it would take me hours. Yep. Vellum now, you just it's three minutes, and it's all done. And it's actually easy to do backlist stuff. So if you have to update your backlist, you can just drag and drop into different files, and it's creates it right there um so that's awesome i'm also going to put a little plug in for our podcast it's over on youtube we're the writing gals for sweet romance authors staying up late we don't talk just about romance but we talk about all different sorts of things um and we also have a facebook group that you can join where we just are a community of people we're very responsive um and chatting and kind of telling our story and what we're doing because i think sweet romance is um There's not a huge community out for it, so we're trying to really get the word out about Sweet Romance. Um, Yeah, that would probably be what I would suggest people do.
0: So if you had a live microphone to the writing community and you wanted to share three truths or three things that you feel like are vitally important for the aspiring or current writer, publisher, what were the things that you'd want to share?
1: Three things that are true.
0: Yeah, three things Um, that are must-have truths.
1: So I would say that, um, but in chair, hands on keyboard, that the best way you're going to be able to write is to write. It's, you can say you're a writer all the time, but if you're not actually putting words onto paper or words in your computer, then you're not really a writer. Um, so make sure you do that. Don't get overwhelmed with all the things that an author has to do, but be a writer first. Cause you can't, pr- You can't promote something you don't have. Um, The other one would be, like I said, your one book does not define you as an author. And I think a lot of times in traditional published, you know, you hear Stephanie Meyer, you think Twilight. You don't think any other books that she has. It's indies. We get to establish ourselves as a name instead of I write billionaire books. Anne-Marie Meyer writes billionaire books. And I get to decide what I write, which I think is a really amazing Um, thing. And then the other thing I would say, which kind of contradicts my first one, but you are a marketer as well. So you cannot think that you do not have to spend money to market your book, because you do. If if billion dollar companies are putting money into marketing, then so do we. We need to find new readers all the time. We need to get our name out there. I was doing Facebook ads when I was an unknown author, and I said, even if I don't make sales, people are learning who I am. And that's what's the most important thing is getting yourself out there. So don't forget that aspect of writing. And
0: don't complain
1: that you're not selling if you're not marketing because everybody has to market
0: that's good yep no that's so true and I know as 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 writers we hate that part but it doesn't have to be scammy doesn't have to be sleazy just be yourself and you know just don't be ashamed of you know hey this is my stuff I want to share it and find some tools to do it you don't have to do everything that's great advice Um, and then, lastly Amy where can uh, people find you and your books
1: so you can find me on Amazon. I am a KU exclusive. So the um, bulk of my money is actually made through Pages Read, but that's the kind of the beast of romance. Most romance uh, readers are in KU because they are voracious, and they actually save money by doing that. So I am in KU. I'm on Amazon. Anne-Marie Meyer is my pen name. If you want to check out my middle grade books, they're under Amy Linneberry. Um, I have two of them called The Adventure Brothers. Um and then you can find me at my website, AnnMarieMeyer.com, although I'm not super active there. I need to be better at being good at my website. And then on Facebook, I'm Marie Meyer uh, there as well. You can follow my page and join my newsletter as well if you like sweet romance and want to be able to be told when good books are coming out, so...
0: Well, Amy, it's been such a a privilege and thank you for sharing with us. You really helped a lot of people today and shared tons of writerly gold. And so thank you for (laughs) the time and Hey, all the best. And I'm so excited for you and all the success and just keep writing and sharing your books and sharing your stories. And I hope to have you on again sometime and hear more success. So thanks for coming (laughs) on the show. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, Amy Meyer. Wow. She has had some serious success and very quickly. And, uh, but you know, the one thread that I hope you caught was that none of her success wasn't really a true overnight success that most writers that you're going to hear on this show, including myself and others is there really is no such thing as an overnight success that most of us have been writing for many, many years and putting in the time, putting in the hours. And uh, what I love about Amy's story is just how she was trying to figure out, you know, what do I really want to write? Where, where am I going to really find an audience? And uh, who's going to resonate with my work? And, and, and so wherever you are on the journey, uh, you know, don't, don't feel like there's only one thing I can write or, or, you know, this is what I love to read. So maybe this is what I have to write. It's not always that that simple. So part of becoming a prolific writer is practice. And practice means writing books, writing stories, finishing your work, finishing what you start. And as you do that, and as you figure out kind of where your sweet spot is, you'll, you'll know. And, and it's not always cut and dry. It's not always black and white, but I think Amy gives some great advice, um, on so many levels, uh, of how to be a prolific writer and how to, how to write good stories that people actually want to read. And so thank you, Amy Meyer for coming on the show. Go check out all her books. I'll put those in the show notes. And before you go, if you would be so kind to leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you listen to the show, it really helps us get the, the word out into the streets, out of the writing community, out in the publishing community. And uh, it's it's been so cool to hear uh, all the great feedback and comments uh, from you. And uh, so if you get a chance to do that, that would be much appreciated. Thanks for listening. And before I go, I just have one more thing to say is go get those words on the page. I'll talk to you real, real soon.
1: Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamelia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron sweet Al-Mahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method podcast on
0: Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.